I'm Dee Brown, CEO, and welcome back to Self Made. We're here with Quentin Aaron on part two of his episode. Quentin, on the last episode, you were talking about your battle uh, with uh, congestive heart failure. Mm-hmm. So let's pick up there. Yeah, so with everything that I started facing, I, I was looking at how my symptoms and all of that was mirroring what my mom went through and what I witnessed her going through. And it just got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm single, no kids, never married. I want a family. Yeah. You know, so I had to kind of like make that make sense to me and and start applying to my life what I need, you yeah. know, and stop depending on other people to do it because I was at a time I was very like uh what do you say when you're codependent? Yeah. Codependent on uh, other people's help because that's what I was used to. I was always right. getting help from people doing this and doing that. But then when the help expired, I was left to figure it out for myself. Yeah. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to listen to my body. And me and my body started having some kind of disrespectful conversations with <laughs> each other, right. you know, and, uh, you know, where it would do this to me. And I'm like, oh, wait, why you do that? <laughs> you know, yeah. or I would do this. And my body's like, what are you doing? Like, we didn't talk about this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So here, take that knee pain or here, take that back pain or here, take this diabetes or, you know yeah, what I mean? Stuff right. like that. So I'm like, um, I just, I changed up my ways. I stopped eating candy and fruits and all that and uh, made my portion sizes smaller, started doing intermittent fasting. Yeah. And 150 pounds later yeah here i am man i i I dropped a buck 50 i'm still going i want to lose at least another 100 try to get into my my goal my best shape yeah um you mentioned something on the previous episode that i want to just kind of pivot back to mm -hmm. you made the comment that if you knew what you knew now when your mom suffered through the same condition she would still be here with us so just kind of touch on what what you meant by well, that statement. You know, I mean, growing up in our household, I didn't know what eating healthy was. We yeah. ate soul food. We ate, you know, right. mama, mama's cooking or fast food or whatever. Like, the only vegetables we got were collard greens. Yeah. Or, or fried cabbage. <laughs> with uh, bacon in it. I was going to say, with, with pork in it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So, like, um, <clears throat> but, like, when I trained for the blind side, I had a nutritional chef that prepared all my meals and, it was the first time eating like that ever in my life. Yeah. And, you know, in 11 weeks time, eating five meals a day, training two times a day, I lost 103 pounds. So just like remembering everything that I ate and how it was prepared and all of that. Yeah. I was saying if I knew that kind of eating. Right. You know, those kind of eating habits when my mom was still here, that's what we would have made her you know, do right. or eat and right. stuff. And I feel like it really would have prolonged your life because just me making those changes that I've made within the past year uh, health-wise has helped me to be a lot more healthier. And, and mind you, I'm I'm gloating because uh, six months ago, I was wearing 58 in jeans. These are 52s, and I still need a belt to hold them up. So I'm like, wow. brother might need 50 or 48. <laughs> hold on well, now. Congratulations on that. You know what I yeah. mean? And the jacket, so my jacket size was a 66 long. Yeah. Needed extra long, but, then, you know, they didn't want enough material for that. <laughs> so uh, this 
is a 58. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, that's almost 10 sizes here, you know. Yeah. Shirts is, you know, 4X. Yeah. And they're still big. I'm like, I got to go shopping again. Right, right. <laughs> I like this. I well, like well, this. The reason, you know? the reason I wanted to pivot back and talk about that is because <clears throat> in the African-American community, uh, we have a much higher uh, rate of, you know, diabetes, mm-hmm. hypertension, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all types of chronic illnesses. And a lot of it comes from nutritional illiteracy. Mm-hmm. So we always talk about financial literacy, which is very, very important in uh, communities of color. But nutritional literacy is equally as important because you can have all the finances in the world. But if mm-hmm. you have poor health, you oh, yeah. won't be around to enjoy it. Right. Exactly. And so most of the chronic conditions that doctors label as hereditary actually exist because we tend to have the same poor habits that, that our, our parents, the households that we came out of, exactly. pass those habits along to us. So if you eat, uh, uh, we say collard greens, or collard, collard greens. greens with bacon and yeah, you know. ham and all that in it, then when you get your own family, you're serving them the you're same, the same thing. thing. Like, so those uh, unhealthy nutritional uh, habits cause the same chronic illnesses uh, within future generations. So exactly. I wanted to touch on that because I thought that was a you know, very important to- topic uh, because of the emphasis we always put on financial literacy, but no one really talk a lot about or as much as I think they should about nutritional uh, literacy. So uh, I want to go and talk about your acting career. Mm. How did you develop a love for acting? And then talk to me about, you know, getting that role in the blind side as Michael Orr. So uh, my love for acting came when I was uh, in elementary school because I was, you know, I was always drawn to different TV shows and movies and stuff. And before I knew I wanted to be an actor, I would just pretend to be those characters around the house and kind of drove my mom crazy. Um, I remember think, uh, saying to myself, I had my one good Sunday church suit, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the first black James Bond. <laughs> I, was like, I used to walk around and talk with a British accent. It's like a funny British accent yeah. at the time. Drove my mom crazy because she would call me and I wouldn't want to acknowledge her because I was in character. And so, I so she her, wasn't calling you James Bond. No, so she you was you wouldn't yeah, answer. exactly. So I wouldn't answer. And now, then, this is the same mama that beat the teacher up. Yeah, same mama that beat the teacher. Up. And you know, I, living on the edge. Yeah, exactly. And um, I, I I tested that theory a little too far one day. <laughs> I renewed it. Said. Yeah, and she called me. She said, "Boy, you hear me calling you?" And I was like, "Madam, you will address me as Bond, <laughs> James Bond." James Bond. And she, the shoe started coming off. I took off running. Man, she whooped that shoe. It ricocheted off the wall somehow, caught me in the back of the head. I came back around the corner. How did you get you made me? It, made the shoe turn the corner. Exactly. Like, How did you? You know what? That's why I say I ain't messing with mama no more. She crazy. She crazy. But, um, yeah, man, it was just acting was my thing when I... Before I even knew it was a thing, it was it was what helped me cope with the fact that I was having such a bad time at school. So I would come home and I would escape into art, you know, and yeah. and that. And then she put me in drama, and I fell in love with drama and stayed in all through school, you know, that and chorus. Um, so what was your life like 
leading up to the blind side, before you received that phone call saying you had got had been uh, awarded that role? So that was uh, it was a um, leading up to that phone call was a very dark period because my mom had passed away August 30th of 08 and me and my brother was still in that same apartment up until we moved to go do the movie. The so your mom never got the opportunity to see? No, she yeah. didn't get the opportunity. Um, she was already dealing with a lot of stuff with her health and everything. And I just remember the last conversation I had with her, I was leaving an audition and I could hear something wrong in her voice. And she had told me something about somebody had been harassing her and on the phone or whatever. And I was just, that was all I was remembering. Yeah. It was playing in my head. I was upset about it. And when I got home, she was gone. And uh, it was just from there. I remember every detail about that day. And it's, it's crazy because I, I never talked about it on the show before. So, yeah. But um, it was one of those things that you don't forget. Right. And I just, it was a lot of emotions that day. It was anger. It was, you know, I was an emotional wreck. You know, the craziest part was the ambulance took forever to get there. But then it's these two small little paramedics. My mom's a big woman, 5'10", 300-something pounds at the time. So I had to help carry her body mm -hmm. in a body bag down the stairs to put onto the bed and get up into the, into the ambulance. The whole block outside watching. And I don't know how I kept it together to get that. You know, and I went back inside the building and lost it. I, How old were you at the time? 24. 20, going on 24. 24. Um, no, actually, I was 24. I was going on 25 because I turned 24 <clears throat> two weeks before she passed. It was just my 24th birthday. Um, yeah, so I, I went back in the, in the lobby and I almost punched a hole in the mailbox. <laughs> Yeah. It hurt my fist. I think it still got a mark on it from it. But yeah, that rest of that year, I couldn't get a job to save my life. You know, one by one, all of our utilities cut off. Um, I kept going to court to try to prolong us not getting evicted and, you know, try living in a, an apartment in New York in the dead of winter, no lights no nothing. I had to walk every day to my aunt's house to get food for me and my brother to eat that she would cook for us. And then we'd be in bed by six because that's when it gets dark and we didn't want to be up and awake in an apartment with no lights. Right. So we try to sleep till the next day. That happened all winter. Then I got this job doing security at Silver Cup Studios where they shot 30 Rock. And that was the first job I got all year. This was probably like late February yeah. because this was the job that I, I was working. It was only seven days. They're gonna pay me a thousand dollars. And I got, on the seventh day, I was getting ready to get paid. That's when I got the call from the sheriff's department that they were gonna padlock the door in 72 hours. So I was like, all right, cool. I get this paycheck. Let's go and pack up our stuff. We'll get a hotel, figure it out from there. 
hang up the phone 30 seconds later that other call came in so that's what i was talking about earlier yeah yeah and that other call was the producers from the movie and they was like we can get you down to atlanta right away to start training i was like define right away <laughs> right <laughs> like uh next couple of days i said i could come tomorrow you're like in less than 72 yeah. hours right <laughs> it's like, yeah it's like i could come tomorrow and it's like, all right cool no problem we'll get your first class ticket i said can i bring my brother because i kind of have no place to leave him yeah i was like no problem we'll get you two first class tickets i was like thank you jesus <laughs> something else thank yeah. you you know what i mean so went home and told my brother and that part was cool because from the day my mom passed till then, I hadn't seen any emotion on his face. He didn't cry. It was just, it was blank, monotone. And I was so scared because I didn't know what was in his mind. Wow. I'm like, yeah. every day I left the house, I'm like, when am I going to come back to him? Right. Will he be here? Will he do something? You know what I mean? And that's kind of like, he's who saved my life because I would have did something stupid if it wasn't for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, the day that I came home and I told him that we got the part, he fell back on the bed and he started like laughing. He was, oh my God, yes. And I was like, ah, I had to walk out the room because that was yeah. the first emotion I seen from him. Yeah. So I went out the room and I was like Sandra Bullock in the movie when she walked out after I said I never had a bed before. Yeah. That was me. I walked out the other room and the other room, ugly crying, bro. I was like, <laughs> just like going yeah. off. And uh, yeah, the rest was history. We packed up, we left, went to do the movie. So what was it like working with Sandra Bullock and, and being a part of that production that was highly successful? It was amazing. It was every actor's dream to do that role. And the cool thing about it was we were all like a family on set you know it was just the energy between everyone we were just like you couldn't fake it but know? in and some ways it you know take the football piece out of it in some ways it was like your life right yeah, well so a, yeah so basically the director he wanted me to be myself on camera um i didn't meet michael or during that process he didn't come to say he was trying to get into the league at the time right. so the family did come, and when the twos came, like when, when Leanne came, she said, "Oh my God, you look just like him." Yeah, <laughs> you, just, you know, what I mean? she's like you just you look just like him. Oh my God, that's crazy. And so like they they were cool. They hung around a while, and saw the process and everything. But um, fast forward, you know, the movie becoming as big as it has become. Yeah, the thing that I realized. Um, along the way is I don't think God meant for me to be the biggest movie star. I think he, he wanted the purpose of this film to give me the platform that it's given me to talk to children because ever since then, inadvertently, like, like that's not the road that I was looking to travel, but yeah. I, I become this speaker that would go to schools all over the country and, and talk to kids. I've had several kids tell me that they were considering suicide before hearing me. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I would always, like, I use my social media to interact with them. And I always tell them, I said, listen, I'm not famous enough to have someone else do my social media for me. So when you write me, you're talking to me, you know? <laughs> so um, I'm not verified, but, you know, I promise you it was me. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Uh, yeah, and so I just, I found that to be an amazing opportunity because every time I was able to get in front of kids and talk and just to see how they took to me, I felt like I was doing what God wanted me to. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I stopped being sour about the fact that I didn't have any other big opportunities movie-wise come. I did a lot of films. I did a lot of TV shows. Um, they didn't pay great, but... Yeah. You know, it was enough for me to get by. And um, now I'm expanding in my business. I have my own production company, um, developing content, like TV shows, uh, movies, romantic comedies. Yeah. Um, and I'm also getting into music. I'm about to record my first single in Nashville. Yeah, so, I was going to ask you about that. I heard yeah. that you are now into, is it country music? You know, or is it? Isn't it's, I don't know if it's really country music. It's um, I wanted to do something that can bridge the gap between everyone. I yeah. didn't want to be categorized as one thing, right? Because then you lose other, you know. So I would say it kind of falls into the singer songwriter kind of category. It's um, to give you an idea of the feel, it's like a think of a modern day kind of we are the world type of song. Yeah. Like yeah. something that, or, or uh, Stevie Wonder's um, Love's in Need of Love Today. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so how did you get into music, though? What, when did you develop a love uh, for music? All my life. All my yeah. life. I know, well, yeah. I remember, I think it was on the first episode, you said yeah. you came out singing. So. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So talk, yeah. but talk to me a little bit about your just musical journey. So, um... I did my first talent show when I was seven, and that song, um, Who's Loving You by Michael Jackson. Yeah. I think I won the talent show because I did the spin and I fell to my knees. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, I can't do it today. My knees don't work like that. But <laughs> The way they set up now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The way my knees set up now, they, <laughs> they be fighting with me back and forth. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I did that and killed it, you know. And then uh, when I was nine, I got baptized and I joined the church. Um, it was funny for me. My grandma was like, you going you stay under this roof, you going to church. And I was like, all right, I need to find something about church that I like. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I got to go. So I got to find something that I like. And then, uh, I heard the choir and I was like, Oh, I like this. Yeah. It's good. So I joined the choir and from there, when my uh, choir instructor heard how good I could sing, they made me sing a lead song. And then all the choirs are coming. You're going to be on the men's choir. I'm 12. So <laughs> you gonna, you, gonna, <laughs> you big, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you gonna blend right in. <laughs> exactly. I was twelve at six feet. Right. <laughs> so, with size was seventeen shoes. No, size twelve. <laughs> oh, twelve at twelve. When I was twelve, I wore size twelve, and I was six six feet tall, two hundred pounds. Wow. I was like a grown man at twelve years old. Yeah. It's crazy. Me and my mom would go shopping. Mom, can I get this, people? Who is he calling mom? Right. <laughs> and she answered, like, I thought that was your man. <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, that's my mom. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's a, uh, I joined the youth choir, men's choir, mass choir. The ladies tried to get me on their choir. I couldn't, you know, the mothers. They, yeah. They tried to get me. I said, y'all wear dresses. I can't, really? I can't wear no dress. I ain't wearing no dress. <laughs> I ain't supposed to do that in church. <laughs> <laughs> ain't supposed to do that period anywhere no dress so yeah I couldn't join a choir but yeah I was I was every Sunday I was on a choir on somebody choir singing yeah. in church and it was cool for me because I was like that's gonna get me through it <laughs> yeah right right you know now that I'm older like I love church you know but um 
I uh, graduated high school and tried out for American Idol, and that was back in 2003. Um, didn't really work out, but it was okay. I was still a little shy at the time, too. Yeah. So, But um, music has always been a joy of mine, but I, I decided I wanted to break in the industry as an actor first because that was my first thing. Yeah. And I always wanted to say, you know, over the years you see people, they say something like, Oh, here's another actor want to be a singer. I was like, oh, the thing is when they say that about me, it's going to be true. Yeah, right. Here's another actor want to be, oh, wait, he can sing. He can, you yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, I didn't want the reverse. Oh, here's another singer that wants to try and be an actor. You know, so I established myself as an actor, and now I'm going to put out music, and hopefully that music adds to the the love that I spread and the messages that I you know, speak about when I talk to kids. Yeah. You know, now you mentioned uh, to me uh, that people, when they meet you, they think they call you Michael Orr. Mm -hmm. That's how they know you. But yeah. you say Michael Orr, when people meet him, they call him Quentin. Quentin Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. He, uh, me and him met back in 2013. We we're doing an autograph signing in Chicago, actually. And uh, he was like, dude, I get called you all the time. Like people, <laughs> Oh my God! Are you Quentin? You you Quentin from the movie? Like, no, Quentin played me. Right. <laughs> but people see me. Oh my God! You Michael Orr? You Michael? No, I, I just played him in the movie. Yeah, but you were amazing. Like, yeah. So so is that really your life? No, no. I played Michael in the movie. It was funny. One time I was in Vegas with some friends watching the Super Bowl when the Ravens were playing. Yeah. And guys were coming up to me all day aren't you supposed to be in the game? I'm like, dude, 74 is right on the TV. Right, right. Obviously, I'm not. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy, man. It was. So what was it like funny. winning uh, an Academy Award? Am, am I right? The movie won an Academy Award. Oh, uh, yeah. Grossed, I think, over $300 million, uh, Yeah. At, at the box um, office. It was cool, man. It became the highest grossing sports film of all time, still to this day. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's awesome, yeah. you know. I like uh, quoting that little fun fact to people. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, you know, there's been a lot of amazing sports films that came out, but this one broke records. Like, it was the first film with a female lead to gross over $200 million at the box office. Yeah. You know, highest grossing sports film of all time. Um, and it's had such a... a it had such a, an amazing effect on people in a sense to where gave a whole new audience to football yeah. or give uh, football a whole new audience. You know, I get so many little ladies that come up to me that I never watched football until I seen your movie and now I love it. I never miss a game. <laughs> Buying really? season tickets and stuff is crazy. That's interesting. That's mm -hmm. interesting. So what's next? Sky's the limit. You know, um, music, I'm getting ready to go to Nashville to record. Um, and, oh, I actually have a movie coming out in a couple months called The Wedding Pact 2, The Baby Pact, starring Haley Duff. Uh -huh. um, Haley and I will be doing another film also, hopefully later this year around Christmas. So look out for that. I can't reveal anything about it yet because okay. uh, I'm just not supposed to. But, <laughs> I understand. But I'll tell y'all when I can. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we, cool. yeah, we look forward to hearing more about it and also seeing it. Definitely. Definitely. So you think yeah. that uh, from a production perspective, uh, 
that's kind of your next big venture, uh, getting more into creating content and. I do. So I, I've I've adapted the storytelling, you know, prospect from my mom. Um, she was amazing at telling stories. She actually wrote a book before she passed. It's called Leave Me Alone by L.A. Aaron. Mm -hmm. And she um, basically, yeah, she's, I adapted her storytelling aspect. Yeah. I just, I find writers to turn them into screenplays. But a lot of the content that I'm creating is based off of ideas that are projects that I've always wanted to do. So I have a romantic comedy, I have a love story, I have action. Yeah series i have a series that's based off my life actually that's ready to go um it's called acting hollywood and it's based off me and my brother you know losing our mom and then getting the opportunity of a lifetime moving to la and becoming famous so yeah the series is like that i call it it's, it's our own version of black entourage basically so oh wow sound exciting um, yeah but so. i want what i want to do at this time uh quentin is i want to uh recognize you for the success that you have achieved. And this show is all about individuals who come from disadvantaged circumstances, ordinary circumstances, but go on to reach the highest level uh, in their respective careers. And for that, I wanna honor you today by presenting you with the Self-Made Lifetime Achievement Award what? for all that you've done to uh, showcase black excellence uh, in this country. Uh, and internationally with your work. And so I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank and you. And I want to thank each of my viewers for watching That's this perfect. episode of Self Made with D Brown CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me. <laughs>